I had a lot to get done. Back-to-back client meetings, a number of deadlines to make. My anxiety was through the roof. I kept saying to myself, you need to acknowledge your feelings because I know it's so helpful for me when I'm stuck in anxiety. And what kept coming up is sad and overwhelmed. But that wasn't working. It wasn't giving me any relief, no matter how many times I tried it. At the end of the day, meetings over, deadlines hit, and still spinning with anxiety, I realized I hadn't really felt anything. I'd gone through the motions of acknowledging my feelings, but every time I named them, I was quickly hijacked by my monger saying, you don't have time for this. Feeling sad is a waste of time. Move on and focus. Finally, I realized I hadn't really acknowledged my feelings. I had just named them, and then my monger had shamed me for them. So again, I tried to name my feelings, and I had another major aha. This time, when I named them, I actually allowed them. Rather than shaming myself, my biggest fan chimed in and said, Whoa, it's just so hard to feel sad, especially when you don't know why. Almost immediately, my shoulders dropped. I got a little teary just from feeling the compassion and kindness. And then I moved on with my evening. Yes, earlier in the day, I was naming my feelings. Yes, I was saying them out loud. But what followed was my monger saying, well, that's not appropriate. That is ridiculous. How can you be feeling that way? So I wasn't actually acknowledging and allowing my feelings. I was saying them and then slamming them down with criticism and judgment. You're listening to The Happier Approach, the show that pulls back the curtain on the need to succeed, hustle, and achieve at the price of our inner peace and relationships. I'm your host, Nancy Jane Smith. This idea of shaming ourselves for feelings, not having enough time for them, or telling ourselves we will enter a pit of despair and never get out if we feel anything, is common for not just me, but many of my clients. In today's episode, I want to dive a little deeper into the F word. I talk about acknowledging your feelings as a key part of reducing anxiety. And in episode 119, I introduced the topic. But today, I want to dive a little deeper and address two of the fears that clients talk to me the most about when it comes to feelings. As I was writing The Happier Approach and doing my research on quieting the monger, I realized the importance of allowing your feelings. I'd always given lip service to this idea. I mean, I'm a therapist by training. But personally, in my own life, I would run from feelings, push them down, channel them into work, and let my anxiety run amok. Now, feelings are a big part of my coping strategy around my anxiety. Allowing my feelings and facing them has been a game changer for me. And I know the hesitancy, the fear that you'll open up the floodgates and all the feelings will come out and overwhelm you. So let's address some of these common fears about feelings. Fear number one. Okay, you say allow your feelings, but I'm afraid if I feel my feelings, I will be lost in a bottomless pit of despair. Man, oh man, do I understand this fear. When you've spent most of your life packaging up your feelings, sticking them in a box, burying that box deep inside, the idea of letting these mysterious sensations into the forefront is scary. Not only have you buried your feelings, but you take a lot of pride in the fact that you can control your feelings, that you don't let your feelings run amok like those needy, emotional people who can't control themselves. Yep, that's a common refrain of our BFFs. We do it better because we can control ourselves. So my first pushback is, really, are you in control of your feelings? Because our feelings might not be showing themselves, but all that pushing and burying is exhausting. So frequently, we are exhausted with headaches, stomach problems, 
We have lots of anxiety or depression, and we are big fans of numbing with alcohol, food, exercise, TV, games, etc. Not to mention that we tend to push those closest to us away because true intimacy, it comes from vulnerability. And when we're cutting off huge parts of ourselves, there is no vulnerability. So no, you don't have this feeling things mastered. You just think you do. Imagine you're standing on the 50-yard line of a football field. To your right is the end zone for team bottomless pit of despair. And on your left is the end zone for team I got this. If you start in team I got this's end zone and you allow yourself to acknowledge a feeling, and even if you start crying <gasps> in response to your sadness, you will have only made it to the 20-yard line. It might feel like you're almost in the bottomless pit of despair end zone, but you're still 80 yards away. The chances of you getting to the bottomless pit of despair end zone is highly unlikely. The truth is, you're not wired to be someone who swims around in your feelings and gets stuck there. It's just not in your makeup. So when you start tapping into a feeling, things come up, remind yourself that you are nowhere near the bottomless pit, even though it might feel like it. I remember the day we found out my dad had dementia. My first response was to research everything. I learned as much as I could about his illness. I figured the more I knew, the more in control I would be. The challenge was they don't know a lot about dementia, and there were many, many unknowns. After I'd researched as much as possible, I poured myself a glass of wine and started calling people to share the news. I called my best friend and shared the data of what happened. No tears, no sadness, just data. And she responded with appropriate, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. And I responded with, I know this is huge. I can't believe it. And went into the research that I'd found and the data I knew. No feelings, no sadness. We hung up the phone. I poured another glass of wine and I sat alone in the kitchen for a minute before I decided to call another friend. Again, the same thing. No feelings, just data. Same shock response, same I know from me. Hang up, sit alone, start to feel rinse and repeat. And when I ran out of close friends, I poured myself another glass of wine and I reached for the chocolate, telling myself I was engaging in self-care. In reality, I was letting my BFF run the show. Stay hopped up, numb out, don't feel a thing. In my mind, I was doing what I should be doing, reaching out, asking for help, sharing my news. But in reality, I was delivering a news report. I was telling people so I could avoid the quiet. I wasn't asking for help. I wasn't letting people in and I wasn't being vulnerable. I was sharing data. Each time I told someone, it hot me up more. It pulled me out of my feelings and into my anxiety. So I had some wine to offset that anxious feeling. If I could go back 12 years, I would do it differently. I would still research because I love to research and it helps me feel in control. But this time I would say to myself, wow, this is hard. Oh, sweet pea, this sucks. So many unknowns, so much out of your control. And this is your dad, your larger than life dad, who is going to slowly lose his mind. His worst fear is coming to reality. Allow the tears, allow the fear, allow the doubts. Because by allowing those feelings, being honest with my experience, I wouldn't get stuck in anxiety or solving the problem or doing something. I could take action from a calmer, more loving, kind place. I remember the first time I really allowed the feelings at an inappropriate time. I was driving to work and I heard a song that reminded me of my dad and I started to cry. My normal response would be to say, stop crying. We don't have time to deal with this. 
I was standing at the 20 yard line of the, I got this end zone scared as hell that if I shed a tear, I would run the 80 yards into the pit of despair. Get it together. I told myself I could feel the pit in my stomach as I tried to push everything into that box. And then my biggest fan popped in and just whispered, just let it happen. So I did. I cried big, ugly, gasping tears as I drove to work, telling myself over and over, it's okay, sweet pea, just cry. And then two minutes later, it was gone. The pit in my stomach was gone, my tears dried up, and I felt a huge relief. It worked. This whole acknowledging the feelings thing worked. I got to work, popped into the bathroom, assuming I would look a mess, and was shocked to see that I looked fine. No makeup streaming down my face, no blotches, just me and my sad eyes looking back at me. Allowing the feelings feels foreign and uncomfortable, but in the end, it leads to much, much less anxiety and drama. The next fear I hear a lot is, I'm stressed out all the time. I need to get out of my feelings, not feel more of them. So here's a story from Emily, someone I recently worked with. Emily has had a tough year. Her ex-husband harps on her about every little thing when it comes to the shared custody of their sons. Her company is going through some restructuring, so there's a lot of unknowns in the workplace, and her mom's breast cancer just recently returned. She is overwhelmed, to say the least. Recently, I mentioned to Emily that she needed to feel her feelings, and her response was, I have no problem being angry and sad. I'm the first to share all the hard times I'm going through and complain about them. I feel like I get stuck in my feelings. I take them out of my kids. I feel stressed out all the time. I need to get out of them, not have more of them. To which I thought to myself, you do a great job of justifying your feelings and replaying the events that leave you feeling stuck, but you don't ever allow yourself to feel anything. You just intellectualize them. I used to be just like Emily. I would feel stressed and then spend the rest of the day justifying why I was stressed, listing off all the stressors, but never allowing myself to soften into the anger, sadness, and frustration, just replaying the things I was stressed about over and over and over. I would argue that Emily wasn't feeling anything. She was simply naming all the bad things in her life. She wasn't allowing herself to feel them. She wasn't owning her anger or giving herself a chance to experience it. She would just label the event that justified her anger and move on. When we spend our time justifying and intellectualizing our stress, we are dancing in the shallow end. Think of it like entering the ocean and the water's chilly. As you wade in, you stand in the shallow end and the cold waves keep splashing you. You just stand there getting slapped by the cold waves, never actually getting in the water. Similarly, when we replay our wrongs, we just keep getting hit with the cold waves. But when we wade all the way in and immerse ourselves in the cold water, when we allow the anger to come over us and feel the pain completely, we will feel better. When we soften into what is happening head on, we can assimilate and find relief. When we accept our anger, it dissipates. When we accept the cold water and allow our body to adjust, it dissipates. But standing in the shallow end, saying how cold the water is, it doesn't feel good and it doesn't help. Recently, Emily sent me an email. She shared how she did end up losing her job. The company was downsizing and she was one of the casualties. Emily came home from work and was devastated. She called her partner for support and he immediately jumped into problem solving mode. Remembering our conversation, she stopped him mid-suggestion and said, you know what, today I just want to be pissed off. 
I just want to be angry because I am. This sucks. Tomorrow, I'll solve the problem. Today, I'm just pissed. As she was telling me the story, she said, I was shocked that came out of my mouth, but I did just want one day to be angry. This is acknowledging your feelings. Emily allowed herself to feel angry because she was legit angry. In her email, she shared how skeptical she was about the process, but how much better she felt. I didn't feel like a victim, like I thought I would. Feeling the anger empowered me. I was amazed how much it helped. Acknowledging your feelings isn't something you have to do. It's something your body naturally does. You just have to give yourself permission. So the next time you notice yourself listing off all the negatives in your life, ask yourself, how does this make me feel? With each response, just allow yourself to soften and give yourself some empathy and kindness, such as, oh, that sucks, or oh, sweet pea. And then ask yourself again, how does this make me feel? At first, you might have to ask yourself multiple times before you soften into the actual feeling. This process allows you to move past the shallow end and swim into the deep water, riding those waves. It's life-changing. Here's what I know to be true about feelings. Feelings are messy. They're individual. Each person experiences them, deals with them, and faces them differently. Feelings are legit. They are biological responses to what's happening in our world. Feelings can't keep us stuck, but our thoughts about our feelings can. And if we don't feel our feelings, they will show up other places. They don't go away if we ignore them. When we stay hopped up in our anxiety, we miss the colors of life. We miss the nuances, the connections, the experiences, the feelings. I know feelings are messy, and I know we hate messy, but when you can trust yourself enough to allow this natural process, your life will shift, and your anxiety, it will decrease. Envision yourself standing on the 20-yard line and looking way down the field at the bottomless pit of despair, and remind yourself, I'm 80 yards away, just feel. Helping people with high-functioning anxiety is a personal mission for me. I have a special place in my heart for this struggle because it's both something I've dealt with unknowingly for years and because it silently affects so many people who think this is just how it is. But this isn't how it is. The constant questioning, doubting, and rehearsing, all while handling everything, checking stuff off the list, and never letting them see you sweat. There is hope if you struggle with high-functioning anxiety. It doesn't have to be this way. You can reduce your anxiety and keep your edge. You can have less self-doubt and still get a ton done. We've been sold the lie that our anxiety and our drive to succeed are the same thing. I've seen it in my clients over and over again. When they learn how to quiet their anxiety, their passions and interests actually increase. They have new clarity that they've never had before. This is why working with clients via my program, Coach in Your Pocket, is so amazing. One of my clients illustrated how Coach in Your Pocket has helped her deal with her HFA. She said, it's extremely powerful to have professional advice and wisdom every single day. Being able to get support in real time on anything you're worried about or things that you struggle with daily has led me to manage my anxiety much better and help me see what works best for me when I try to manage it. I found that just as, if not more effective as one-on-one sessions. Here's how Coach in Your Pocket works. 
over the course of the three-month program, we meet once a month for a face-to-face session via a secure video chat. And then throughout the entire three months, you have access to me anytime. Anytime you're feeling anxious, having a monger attack, or celebrating a win, or just need to check in. I will respond to you during my office hours, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. I've been doing this work for over 20 years, and Coach in Your Pocket is the most effective and most life-changing work I've ever done. My clients are consistently blown away by how these daily check-ins combined with the monthly face-to-face video meetings create slow, lasting changes that reprogram their high-functioning anxiety tendencies over time. Are you ready to get started? Send me an email, nancyjane at live-happier.com, and we'll set up a free 30-minute consultation to see if this process is a good fit for you. Again, reach out at nancyjane at live-happier.com. Do you know someone who struggles with high-functioning anxiety? Please share this podcast with them. You can send them a link to the show website, live-happier.com backslash podcast, or encourage them to listen via Apple Podcasts, Overcast for Apple phones, or Stitcher and Google Podcasts for Androids. For those of us with HFA, we can feel so alone, and asking for help is freaking hard. Hearing from a trusted friend about a helpful resource can be a godsend, so don't underestimate the power in sharing. 